Chapter Sixteen of the Romance of Modern Sieges by Edward Gilliatt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen: The Siege of Richmond, eighteen sixty-two and eighteen sixty-five. Fair Oaks: A Drawn Battle. Robert Lee succeeds Johnston. Reforms in the Army. Humors of the Sentinels. Chaffing the Niggers. Their Idea of Liberty. The Pickets Chum Together. Stuart's Raid a duel between a texan and a german effect of music on soldiers a terrible retreat to james river malvern hill battle scenes three years after general grant before richmond colored troops enter the southern capital in triumph lee surrenders friends once more the battle of fair oaks had been fought and general mcclellan began to entrench himself in view of the siege of richmond it had been a drawn battle the south had taken some guns but the federal forces were too strong for them and swamps rough ground and woods all helped to throw the south into confusion upon a field hardly a mile square were lying some seven thousand or eight thousand dead and wounded many of them having been there for twenty-four hours some had gone deep into the muddy swamps and stuck fast there dying or laying the foundation of some terrible disease acres of forest had been slashed or cut about five feet from the ground to prevent the passage of troops and artillery the southern commander-in-chief general johnston had been killed by a shell in this battle but the substitution of general robert e lee as commander led to great reforms in the confederate army lee at once removed the camps from malarious swamps he provided supplies of wholesome provisions and reclothed the hungry starving and mutinous men so that in a few weeks they looked stronger fought better and behaved as men under discipline every evening the countersign was given out and sentinels were posted to prevent spies crossing the chickahominy in the federal army were men of many nations scotch irish german norsemen and others it was told of an irish sentinel that he stopped a stranger halt who comes there me a friend of the chaplain have ye the countersign no faith and if you were a friend of the divil and had no countersign you couldn't pass this way not on no account sore but i tell you i am a friend of your chaplain and i forgot to ask him for the countersign don't you see that it sore then be jabbers what's to prevent me giving to you the countersign eh nothing i suppose if you will be so kind come closer and be jabbers i'll just whisper it in your ear there now stand and answer who comes here a friend a friend right and maybe you have the countersign i have it is good-night mother quite correct sore pass on and good luck to you a long siege is such dull work that the northerners used to amuse themselves by chaffing the young negroes when they caught them in the lines perhaps they would give the nigger boy a bit of food then suddenly say sambo what relation are you to jeff davis's coachman the black eyes would roll and the whites enlarge as the grinning nigger replied i ain't no sort of connection with that ere sir you're a sakesh i reckon na sir i'm union boy oh then we shall have to flog you sambo don't you know that in this part of mcclellan's army we are all at heart good rebels lord a mercy i never thought of that and now i do think on it i do agree that i am a bit of a rebel anyhow then all the listeners would burst out laughing at poor sambo and he left the camp befogged and bewildered 
once an old gray-headed negro came into camp and some young officers began to tackle him think we can take richmond boy dar be right smarter men round here but i dunno bout dar bein able to take richmond sah right smarter men said a captain why this is only a flea bite to what's coming to eat up the rebel army you'll see em coming up like locusts here's mcclellan and half a million around here and there's burnside down there coming from carolina with a hundred thousand more and general banks with two hundred thousand more and general fremont why he can't count his men he has so many the old fellow opened his eyes wider and wider as the list of imaginary armies was run over then gazing up intently in the officer's face got all dem men he asked in a subdued voice yes and more the negro threw out his arms and ejaculated oh dear mesopotamia whatever will become a massa i wonder the negroes wanted to be free but they did not want to work many of them who had run away from their masters were employed by the federals in unloading stores they worked from daylight until dark singing over it talking shouting arguing making such a shindy a virginian negro never did a quarter of a day's work on his master's plantation and they soon found out the difference when they became free niggers and earned wages they did not much relish their rise a party of niggers would come up to the colonel's tent well boys what made you leave your master wasn't he kind to you oh yes massa berry kind berry kind indeed well didn't he give you enough to eat oh yes plenty of dat plenty of dat enough to eat well boys what made you leave him why de truth him dat he made us work mong sugar-canes said one and we heard about de north as such a place so we taught that we might go to um said another nice place why how do you mean a nice place well sir we was told dat nobody did no work up dar even the white peasants in virginia seemed to be lazy and indolent they lived in little cabins and only the very young or old were left as every able-bodied man was in the army they were dressed in homespun and spoke with a drawl they did not wish to be richer content with one acre and a single cow tories of a most old-fashioned kind and the women like the boers were far more dangerous rebels than the men and tried to entrap unwary federals when they got them drinking in their houses all round by the river four miles from richmond was a succession of dark swamp yellow field and brown hillside batteries were placed on all the ridges guarded on either side by woods and in front by earthworks the confederates on the other side of the river had fewer trees but stronger earthworks on the first of june there was an artillery duel begun by the richmond batteries but they had to beat a retreat into the woods before the precision of some german gunners sometimes the pickets of both armies were so close to each other that they made an agreement not to fire at one another then they got to exchanging newspapers and tobacco telling the news and altogether behaving as if they were rational human beings and not machines sent to kill one another for political ideals far beyond their ken once when a new jersey regiment was upon picket federal scouts were being served with their allowance of coffee and one of these latter observing a southerner gazing wistfully at his smoking cup beckoned him to come over and have a drink he came drank smacked his lips and walked slowly back then he looked round and said i say friend how many times a month do you fellows get this good coffee 
oh just three times a day said the jersey man three times a day why if that's true i'll not stay a day longer in the confederate army here lad i give myself up and the fellow actually let his friend take him prisoner on the twentieth of june general mcclellan reported that he had a hundred and fifty six thousand eight hundred and thirty nine men but he could get no reinforcements and the armies of the south were increasing the rains were making quagmires all around and disease was rife among the troops about this time the confederate general stuart led a successful raid with twelve hundred horse and two pieces of artillery round the rear of the federals driving in their cavalry pickets till he came to garlic's landing where he destroyed two schooners and many wagons and captured many prisoners one federal a german dragoon scorned to fly with his comrades and fought a duel with a texan trooper the german was a veteran in the wars of europe and attacked the texan who was a little advance of his troop both were skilled swordsmen and while they fought the rest pulled rein and looked on the german sat his horse as if he were part of the animal and wielded his sword with parry cut and thrust like lightning flash the texan on his fleet barb wheeled swiftly round and round seeking in vain for an opening at last the texan slashed the german's shoulder and as blood spurted from the wound the texans looking on raised a cheer but as quick as thought with a backstroke the german cut through the sleeve and flesh of the texan's left arm and his blood began to flow then the texan backed his horse and spurred again upon his opponent making a lunge at his breast this the dragoon parried with great dexterity and brought down his sharp blade upon the other's shoulder thereat the texan wheeled his horse once more drew a pistol and shot the dragoon through the heart colonel estran a prussian officer in the service of the south who witnessed this scene but disapproved of the texan having recourse to his pistol writes this much moved by his fate i ordered a grave to receive the remains of the brave german trooper we buried him in his regimentals with his trusty sword on his breast and his pistols by his side i then sent for the texan and after reprimanding him severely for his cowardly conduct i ordered him to seek service in some other corps telling him that i could not think of allowing a fellow of his stamp to remain in my regiment the texan scowled at me with his cat-like eyes and muttering a curse mounted his horse and rode away i think some of us may deem that the texan was hardly treated by this prussian officer who felt so indignant at the shooting of the german trooper the texan had received two severe wounds he was not bound to fight only with the sword he carried pistols so did the german why if they were not to be used why carry them it was the texan's duty to kill the german and he did so no wonder the poor fellow muttered a curse days of disaster were coming for the northern army they were spread along the river and through the swamps for more than twenty miles the south could sally out of richmond and strike any one point before support could be sent up part of the army was north of the river part south they dared not march on richmond now so strongly fortified and to retreat was fatal general jackson had joined general lee and every day there was fierce fighting 
in the battle of gaines mill where the north lost twenty-two guns the federal general butterfield at a critical moment came coolly down the knoll in the thick of a hot fire and sword in hand seized the colors waved them aloft and so encouraged the valor of his regiment shouting your ammunition is never exhausted while you have your bayonets and use them to the socket my boys seventy thousand men were hurling grape canister and bullet against thirty thousand it was one loud and continuous roar it was only gradually that it was forced upon the federal troops that they were beaten and were in full retreat to the james river battles are like games of chess the great thing is to bring as many pieces into play as you can and mass them on one or two points the federals had over a hundred thousand fighting men but only thirty thousand were engaged in the battle of gaines mill on the twenty eighth mcclellan wrote to the secretary for war i have lost the battle because my force was too small if i save this army now i tell you plainly that i owe no thanks to you or to any other person in washington you have done your best to sacrifice this army the federal rearguard did their best to cover the retreat they blew up the ammunition which had to be deserted emptied the barrels of whiskey and molasses bent the muskets and dismantled the forsaken wagons but the roads were thronged with sick and wounded and hundreds lay down to die in the awful sun ever the victorious south were riding in upon them and making havoc on one of these charges general butterfield seeing the utter misery and downheartedness of the men gathered together all the regimental bands and placed them at the head of a brigade in one great burst of sound which rose above the clamor of the battle they started the star-spangled banner with the first few notes the men's spirits rose and a new energy came to them they stepped out and sang lustily and other regiments caught the brave infection and cheered in chorus such are the uses of music in war in our own regiments in the boer war when the men got weary with the long march a colonel would shout to his sergeants have you any men who can sing put them in front then the regiment would step out and forget their weariness the richmond dispatch describes the battlefield thus money was found abundantly among the slain one man found not less than a hundred and fifty dollars in gold one lucky finder had no less than six chronometers ticking in his pocket at the same time our men seemed to take great delight in assuming federal officers uniforms and strutting about serio-comically much to the amusement of powder-begrimed youths who sat lolling and smoking in the shade the cannon and arms captured in this battle were numerous and of very superior workmanship the twenty-six pieces were the most beautiful we have ever seen while immense piles of guns could be seen on every hand many even hardly tarnished the road to james river was strewn with stragglers tired to death hospitals were filled to overflowing when they came to white oak swamp bridge there was a block of wagons cannon ambulances etc twenty rows of wagons stood side by side teamsters swore and horses jibbed and officers shouted a confederate officer writing of the battle of malvern hill describes how the gunboats on the james river helped the federal retreat how shot from rifled guns came hurtling through the woods tearing down the largest trees we passed over four lines of our own men who lay close to the ground and dare not rise to face the grape and canister 
our men trampled them into the mud like logs one man in his haste to get out of danger shoved me on one side and just at that instant a canister shot tore his head off as you may suppose i was not much vexed at his want of politeness early next morning i rode over the battleground i came upon numbers of dead and dying horses and the wounded one a fair-haired yankee boy of sixteen was lying with both legs broken half of his body submerged in water his teeth clenched his fingernails buried in the flesh his whole body quivering with agony and benumbed with cold in this case my pity got the better of my resentment and i dismounted pulled him out of the water and wrapped him in my blanket for which he seemed very grateful one of the most touching things i saw was a couple of brothers both wounded who had crawled together and one of them in the act of arranging a pillow for the other with a blanket had fallen they had died with their arms around one another and their cheeks together but your heart will sicken at these details as mine did at seeing them and i will cease the word resentment in this letter reveals the bitter feeling that springs up when men of the same nation are at war the battle of malvern hill was the fiercest of the seven days battles and the loss on both sides was terrible when the troops came in sight of james river muddy current and low banks they rushed down with mad impetuosity many plunged into the stream in a very frenzy of delight those who for hours had suffered agonies from thirst now stood knee-deep in the water and drank like fish the horses were as delighted as the men and neighed to their friends here the troops rested and enjoyed the supplies sent up from white house but a storm came on the second of july and changed all to mud and sticky surfaces but the sound gave up their tents to the wounded and soon many steamers took the poor victims of the fight to a more comfortable abode mcclellan had lost fifteen thousand men in the awful struggle of the last seven days but the south had suffered more heavily and richmond was crowded with the wounded and dying the president thanked the general in a letter saying i am satisfied that yourself officers and men have done the best you could it was not until three years after this in april eighteen sixty five that richmond was evacuated by general lee before generals grant and sheridan president davis was in church when an orderly splashed with mud walked up the aisle and handed him a paper in the first glance he saw that all was over and a few hours after he was in full flight on monday morning weitzel with his army composed partly of colored troops marched into richmond with bands playing the city had been fired and the stores plundered main street was in ruins and the bridges over the river were broken a thousand prisoners were taken and five hundred pieces of artillery it is said that the colored troops entered richmond with proud gait and shouts of ecstasy welcomed enthusiastically by their dusky brethren who thronged the streets they laughed and shouted prayed and wept and kissed one another in a delirium of happiness they thought that now at last the white races would acknowledge their equality but the world has not yet got rid of its old prejudices and their sun of happiness was doomed to suffer an eclipse in a few days lee surrendered 
the federals first heard the news from the cheers of the poor famished army of the south twenty-two thousand all that was left of them stacked their arms and filed past in a great and solemn silence the cruel devastating war was over now was seen the strange spectacle of the enemy sharing their rations with a conquered foe they were no longer north and south now they were all americans citizens once more of the united states destined perhaps in a not distant future to teach europe that peace is better than war love is stronger than hate god's kingdom supreme over the transient empires of this little world End of chapter sixteen